We're going to continue now, uh, transition somehow, to the book of Hebrews. Uh, We are now in our fourth week of this sermon series, Simply Irresistible, where we're looking at the central lens of the book of Hebrews is Jesus himself. And I think, as we've sat in service so far, this service, as most services are and should be, all about the person of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews, again, we don't know who it was, writing to an audience, getting them to understand why Jesus is it, right? It's not only the it factor, but he is the way, the truth, the life, that your life fully defined is found in the person of Jesus. We started with uh, showing that Jesus is higher than the angels, right? We talked about that, and we talked about the angelic and how Jesus is beyond that. And then uh, the writer is kind of taking the name of Jesus through the history of the Old Testament. We talked about Moses, why Jesus is better than Moses, though Moses was a wonderful messenger of the Lord and God used him mightily to take, uh, bring the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. Uh, Moses was fallible. Moses didn't always obey, right? But Jesus, fully God, fully man, obeyed the Father completely, even to the point of death and then resurrection. And so there should be this irresistibleness to the person of Jesus. Yet a lot of the world, and maybe even some of us in the room today or online, tend to resist aspects of the Bible or resist aspects of Jesus himself. Now, if I may be so bold, I think part of that is because we don't want to be fully honest with ourselves. To be believe in someone who knows me better than I know myself, who knows all of my insecurities, all my faults, all my sins, even before I might choose to confess them to him, that's intimidating. That's downright scary that someone knows you like that. But the conversation that we're going to have today has to do with something that the Lord provides all of us. And I'm speaking to myself first. I don't always take advantage of this. It's rest, the idea of rest. We're going to talk about that in, uh, in detail, if you will, because the chapter four of the book of Hebrews talks specifically about that. So if you're new to the church, maybe this is your first time here, I do like to interact a little bit, ask some questions, get some responses, kind of see where we are, the pulse of the congregation. Uh, when I say the word rest, right, what comes to mind? Sleeping, let's just get the obvious out of the way, right? Sleeping, but for you, when you're at rest, you know, what are some of those those things? What are some of those scenarios or places that maybe you find rest? The beach, absolutely, right? My wife, she's at a baptism for my nephew this morning, she would say the same thing. She finds rest at the beach. That came after the boys learned how to swim, okay? Because prior to that, rest was... uh, but now that they know how to swim, it's a lot better. Others. The Sabbath, okay, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, talk about what that actually means. You find rest in surrendering. Interesting answer. I don't think a lot of people would agree with that, but for you, maybe, absolutely. Others. Stop doing. Oh, I like that one. Ah, that one preaches to my heart. It is what it is, or it is well. All right, so understanding that it is what it is. I just know a lot of people, they hate that saying, but that's interesting that you find rest in that. Henry, recovery. Well, yep, absolutely, absolutely. 
We give thanks for Henry's recovery after uh, his cardiac incident a couple weeks ago, so we definitely give thanks for that, for rest and recovery. Anyone else? Oh, my. Okay. What? Doing nothing. Sure. Yeah. Doing nothing. Others. Pause. Not clause. That doesn't make any sense. Pause. Okay. So we're going to talk about rest. It is something I don't do well. I know, you're shocked. I don't rest well. And there are times that the Lord has to bring me to a place of rest. And if we think about it, and we open our minds to that idea that we need rest. We were created to rest. I don't care how much Mountain Dew you drink, how many Red Bulls or whatever energy drink. How many people remember Jolt? How many people remember Jolt Cola? That was the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, love me a Jolt Cola. But even the most Jolt Colas, right, which probably stunted my growth, probably that still doesn't take place, the fact we were created to rest, right? Now, that doesn't mean lazy. That doesn't mean uh, at times not doing anything. But we were created to rest, and we're going to talk about that. But we're going to start in the Kansas Dort, like we've done almost every uh, sermon because there is a article, there is a section of one of our confessions specifically set apart for irresistible grace. That there's this irresistibleness to faith that when something's going on in you, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, maybe you felt it at Camp Manitoba on their, you know, the Wednesday night fire, maybe you felt it in catechism, maybe you felt it on a spiritual retreat. I know for some of you, you felt it right here in this sanctuary. Over a span of years, when the Holy Spirit is at work in the regeneration of the heart, where your heart is becoming new to the person of Jesus, something is happening. And it's something that is, <clears throat> excuse me, irresistible. So this is Article 9 from the Fulfillment of God's Plan. This plan, arising out of God's eternal love for the elect, for his people, from the beginning of the world to the present time, has been powerfully carried out and will also be carried out in the future. The gates of hell seeking vainly to prevail against it. As a result, the elect are gathered into one, all in their own time, and there is always a church of believers founded on Christ's blood, a church which steadfastly loves, persistently worships, and uh, and here, in all eternity, praises him for her Savior, who laid down his life for her on the cross as a bridegroom for his bride. So if, we see, if you read that, especially that, that, that kind of that, what is it, the third line, that the church is involved. That the church is involved in you growing spiritually. That the church should be involved in the irresistibleness of the grace of Jesus, the grace that is founded in salvation. Now, the whole other sermon series that we'll probably do at some point, uh, I'm not even going to put a date on it because I don't even know where we are right now, but as far as future sermons, but the church, I think we would all agree, does not do a good job because the church at times neglects the part that we call rest, or as Curtis put it, Sabbath. That a lot of times the churches get so busy that 
They burn out their leaders, they burn out their council, they burn out their pastor, all of these things. That there, there is a time for the church to rest as well. Now that doesn't mean we stop doing ministries, that doesn't mean that we, that we say, oh, for this next year we're not going to do anything. But if you look at our ministry season, we build in those times, right? We do follow a school calendar, and I would love to think that the school calendar had biblical values that showed that there should be rest for students. I think it's more for teachers than students, and that's a good thing because teachers need rest as well, amen? Okay, yep. But we do, we have periods of rest. We want our ministry leaders, your counsel, myself, to take times of rest. Whether that's forced upon us by the Holy Spirit, enter my journey over this last year, right? Having four weeks off the pulpit, having 10 days where I was not able to talk. And I appreciate all of those letters and notes and text messages of of encouragement to learn something during that time. That brought great encouragement to me as I was not able to talk back. You took your shot, and I appreciate it. And it was well-received for the most part. But this idea of rest, this idea of being in God's rest, if I and the church is going to expect people to do that, the church should do it as well. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to take a nap right now. That's not what that means. Because that would be weird. Think about that. If I said, quiet time for 10 minutes, and we just stood in here for 10 minutes or sat, how awkward would that be? How many of you would fall asleep? Okay, so I'm going to keep talking so that doesn't happen. Even though for some of you that still will happen, and I, res- and I receive that as well. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4 because it's going to talk about God's rest and what we need to have as far as a mindset and being open to the thing called rest or Sabbath. We're going we're to kind of use some of that interchangeably this morning. Starting with verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, for us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it, for good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they, had not, they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the, his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. I went one too far, didn't I? Nope, okay, uh, all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. So understand that what is being talked about here is the Ten Commandments. What's being talked about here is the law. So one of the first things that we need to understand is that it is lawful to rest. That in the ten foundational commandments, and we know what these are, you shall have no other gods, you shall not uh, carve for you any graven image of a god, do not take the name of your Lord your God, God in vain. On the Sabbath day, rest, keep it holy. And for a lot of people, that is Sundays. Man, you're lucky that you get to rest on Sundays, but that isn't for everybody, right? My nurses, my doctors, my, uh, well, most doctors do, but, you know, for a lot of people in the medical field, a lot of people uh, in civil service, right? 
pastors. Now, I know a lot of you think I only work one day a week, but, you know, on, I, you know, if I didn't have to on Sunday, I'd be able to rest seven days of the week, according to you. And that would be great. No, you know me, I would hate that. But understand, this is a part of defining a people. Now, what we can pull from that is that the Israelites were workers. Now, part of that is they were slaves, so they had to work. And I don't know, we don't really know what kind of lifestyle they had as far as being in slavery in Egypt, but we can pretty much say that for 400 years it wasn't the best. It wasn't the life God had for them, right? No one is meant to be in slavery. And understand that rest, when he defined for them the vertical relationship. We've talked about this already. The first four commandments have to do with my relationship with God. The other six have to do with how I show God to the world. Things like do not commit adultery, do not murder, right? All of those things. Do not covet, do not steal, right? We can't say, and we've said this before, man, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to murder a little bit. It doesn't work. That is, in, that is not, uh, that is, what's the word I'm looking for? That you can't do that. That's inconsistent to the life of the believer. So understanding that, that from the very beginning, rest was in the ingredients of what it meant to have a relationship with God. And I think from very early on, he was talking to the workaholics. Those that strive to work, that there's never an end to work, and it's the work to always be producing, always to be achieving. Because there can be, and I know I'm going to get emails about this, there can be an idol to your work. That our ability to work, our ability to make money, our ability to be successful. There's nothing wrong with climbing a corporate ladder. There's nothing wrong in starting your own business and being successful. There's nothing wrong in starting your own business and not being successful. Because that happens all the time too. But that driving, that striving can become an idol. That so often God puts people in our lives to say, hey, slow down a bit. Hey, you're working way too much. Maybe it's your spouse that says, we never see you because you're always working. Your kids would like to have a relationship with their father or their mother. A little passive aggressive, but it's true that this strive to always succeed can be idol worship. And if it's one thing we know about the Ten Commandments, they were to take us out of the mindset of idol worship because the Israelites were in that mindset in Egypt every day. That every day there were Egyptians praying to a God for something. They were worshiping constantly pagan gods. Yet the God who created you, the God that loves you, puts in there number four. Again, I'm not going to rank them because they're all commandments, just like we don't rank sins, they're all sins. Is remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, rest. Right? If, we, if we take the word Sabbath out and put rest in, which we can do, we'll get to that in a minute, remember to rest and to keep it holy. That your rest should be something that you're striving for daily, weekly, monthly, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But that rest is a part of that. 
Now, you, you go on into other parts of the Old Testament that the Lord actually uses rest as the signifier of winning. That, you know what? When, when all of this has happened, they will enter my rest. When they are faithful, they will enter my rest. Now, some people believe that God's rest is death. And in some ways it is. There is ways to talk about it that way. But this is something different. This word rest in the Hebrew but also in the Greek means also peace. A calmness, a peace. So I guess one of my questions this morning is, do you have peace in your life? Do you have that comfort of Christ in your life where you can pause, gain perspective about a situation, a relationship, whatever it is? That is part of God's rest. God's rest and God's peace are linked. So let's move on. So if they're linked and we are striving to find those things, then we're going to jump. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards... In the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Part of entering God's rest and getting God's peace is hearing God's voice. So I guess that begs the question. I'm not even going to ask, are you hearing God's voice? Are you listening for God's voice? Are you reading God's voice? You want to find peace and comfort? Go to your Bible. Call an elder. Call me. We will talk about the Bible. For people that want to come into my office and and, and talk about their struggles, awesome. I love doing that. The pastoral counseling side of my job is something I very much enjoy. As I go to my pastors and my mentors and my counselor to talk about all that stuff. But there are some of us that Go in and go, why isn't things going right in my life? First and foremost, you're making it about yourself, so be careful. But second thing is, are you listening for perspective? Part of God's peace is, and God's rest is God's perspective. Well, I don't know God's perspective. Well, are you listening for it? What does that even mean? Are you reading your Bible? No. Well, then let's start there. Because God makes it, I don't know, I, to me... And I struggle with this too. It seems pretty clear. It seems pretty clear. But there are times we want to bypass that because we have a very specific understanding and we have a very specific description of what our peace and our rest and our comfort should look like. Well, friends, that's not how it goes. God, I will believe in you if you answer my prayers exactly the way I want them to be. No, because you're not praying to God, you're praying to a genie. And that doesn't work. That's not the same. Because those that believe still did not because of disobedience. Though you believe in God and you continually disobey, what does that say about your beliefs? Right? It's like the, it's like the husband and the wife who they say they love each other, but they are constantly lying to each other. They are constantly passive-aggressive to each other. They don't sleep in the same beds, right? They don't, they don't have those, that kind of relationship, yet they love each other. How does that work? Now, some of you are going to come back and go, well, they snore. 
Lovingly, I'm going to say, endure. Get earplugs. I don't know. We won't go down that road. But you see where the inconsistency is? Man, I love God. I work for God. I'm going to have two trunks at the Fall Family. And I'm actually going to go to another church and do, a, and do that too. And I'm going to be covert. I'm going to see what they're doing. Then I'm going to come back to Munster and see what they're doing. And I love God for all these things. And I'm going to sign up for all of those things. When's the last time you spent time with God? I don't have time for that. What? Be still and know that I am God. And trust me, friends, I am saying that to myself first. It's one of the hardest things for a Jim Holland owner is to be still. And I see you all nodding your head. I get it. It's tough. Because sometimes we're on fire. We want to go. We want to do, 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 do. But there are times God's going to say, no, 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 no. Sit and be still. Because I know when I'm always on the go, I don't get perspective. And when I don't get perspective, I base it on my understanding of things, and that's usually when it goes wrong. That's where the disobedience comes. This was put in the law of God. Remember to rest. Be holy in your rest. Now, some of you take that to a very unhelpful degree where in a maybe full-functioning household with kids, rest means I'm not going to do anything and expect everyone else to do stuff. That's probably not rest. I'm just going to put it out there. That's probably not rest. But that's between you, your family, and Jesus. So let's keep going. So if we're going to continue, we're going to look at 8 and 9. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. Keep going. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. It's right there. It's okay to rest. This is going to cause fights. It's okay to close the laptop. It's okay to put the cell phone on the nightstand or in the car, right? It's okay to take off the Apple Watch because I see you. Just because you don't have your, your phone doesn't mean you don't have your watch that tells you everything. And as, when my wife listens to this, she's going to snapshot this and send it to me. I know she will. I receive it. But it is okay to rest. I'm looking out at a lot of business owners. I'm looking, at a, I'm looking out at a lot of worker bees. I'm looking out at a lot of creators and producers and people that like to do for Jesus. Don't forget to rest for Jesus as well. Because it's in those times of rest that you fill. I say this to my council and my staff all the time. You can't give what you don't have and you can't pour out if you're on empty. So are you taking time to fill up? But pastor, what does that mean? First of all, don't ask like that. That's super annoying. Read God's word. Get out and be with you and Jesus. Find a close friend who can keep on topic, by the way, and talk about deeper things of faith. Listen to other preachers. I said it. Listen to, listen to, they make some incredible living spoken words of scripture. Because some of you are like, I don't like to read. Some of you, I can't read. Whatever it is, then listen to it. There's some phenomenal ones. I have, now there's CDs. Kids, 
kids under the age of 25. CDs have things on them that you can plug into a CD player and hit play, and it will play things unless they're scratched on it. Then it sounds like the remix version. But you have those, or you can download them. Find time to rest. How can I say this with such authority? God did. Six days he created all things. And on the seventh day he rested. Let's continue. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden in his sight, but all who are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God's rest is spoken into you in such a way that it separates soul from spirit, marrow to bone. Now, I don't fully understand all of that, but that's a pretty decisive cut. That nothing that we can hold on to, he doesn't see. Nothing that we cling to and strive for, he can't just, bloop, I'm going to take it. And now God's not a bully, right? He's not like up there with a magnifying glass and we're the ants. A lot of people have that understanding of God. But that's not how he rolls. That's not how he works. God is cheering you on to rest just as he's cheering you on to work. In all things, in all things said and done, we do for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thessalonians, Philippians, Colossians. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's keep building buildings. Let's keep doing ministries. Let's keep whatever it is. But all things also means rest. It's okay to pause. It's okay to stop. It's okay to sit and get perspective. It's okay to tell Pastor Jim, no, I don't want to do that ministry. Just don't do it a lot. But if someone who wrestles with it says it's not my season, who am I to say, no, it is? No. If it's not your season, that's fine. Here's the thing. That's not your season always. And for some of you, you're like, ooh, but I tasted that rest that you talked about. I really, really like it. I don't want to do anything in the church. Friend, that was never, that's never the job. That you can rest and work all in the same day and in the same week. It's okay. But please hear this from my heart, the heart of your elders, and the heart of your deacons. We never want burnout. We never want to put everybody in all the positions all the time, right? We don't like having the same names up for counsel all the time. We don't. There was a season of this church that you wanted that. That season is gone. We have new laborers in the field. I'm looking out at a bunch of you that I don't really know. And that's awesome. And there's a lot of work to get done. How do I know? Because there's still unsaved people in our five-mile radius of this church. We're going to dedicate a building that's going to hopefully help point people to that hope and that peace and that rest. There are going to be ministries in there. Food pantry, Pastor Jamil, This Way Ministries. 
A-A-N-A, a lot of support ministries will be used by that building almost exclusively. Our cadets, absolutely. A lot of work is left yet to be done. The prayer is, how can I enter that in a healthy way? Devoid of your agenda, devoid of, of, of it needs to be your way or the highway, that doesn't work either. But as we work, we will also rest as we're going to close in the Hebrews. Or are we done? Have we closed it already? We're done. So Hebrews stops with this, with this verse. Let me find it. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest, that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For by the word of God is living and active, Continuing on to verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who, must, who we must give account. It was that last verse. That at one point, you're going to have to give account to what you're doing in your faith. And I've had some amazing conversations this past week that people are like, careful, pastor, you're getting very close to works righteousness. This idea of I can earn my faith. And believe me, there's a line there, and I know that I'm staying on the right side of it, but it's getting close because too many of us don't think about the fact that once faith is established, righteousness has been imputed onto you, that you are a believer, that it's time to get to work. For every action has an equal and opposite reaction, so is the same with faith. How do you make faith irresistible? By sit doing nothing and just complaining. No, I'll resist that all day. It's about getting to work. It's about taking the gospel and the idea of faith out to a world that needs it. Because we'll have to give account. So what are you accountable to in your life? I hope you're accountable to rest. But I hopefully you also are accountable to work. Finding your giftings and getting involved. There is no shortage of, th- of things to ser- ways to serve at this church. There really isn't. Some are high visible, high a lot of time, and we carry time very preciously. Sometimes as an idol, that's a different sermon. But there's going to be more. There's more coming. There's more understandings of how we as a church can partner with our communities. Friends, in a year and a half, there's going to be a train that's going to come through right over there. And I don't, I don't want to hear about why. I don't, I don't make the rules. But it's going to happen. New developments are going to be put up in Lansing and Munster and in Dyer and in our area, Hammond. Which means new people. Which means new brokenness. Which means new issues. New opportunities for people to find Jesus. To start this road of faith. And I love you, but you better believe I want to put us right smack dab in the middle of those tracks. But not my will, ever. But the opportunities are coming. Let us be rested up, ready to go for when we are called into the game, whatever that looks like. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to give account week in and week out. We hope and pray that that account is a good investment that we are walking our faith out in such a way that people are noticing that we're pointing back to you, pointing back to the cross. Father, as we continue to work and walk in this faith, 
First and foremost, we understand that it's you that is putting faith in our heart, saving us from our sins, giving us the greatest gift ever, which is the gospel. But to whom much is given, much is required. So Father, I'm going to say thank you for requiring of us the work of the gospel, for entrusting us, knowing that Christ goes before us, Christ will be here long after we're gone, and Christ, we know you're closer to us than our two front teeth, and we thank you for that, and pray this in your holy name, amen. Please stand if you're able. Great song that we're going to close with, this idea of a cornerstone, when we do this work, it's because a foundation has been laid 153 years for this church, but Christ eternally has laid the foundation for you. And remember, 11 o'clock, meet over at the CLC. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and his rest, which always passes our understanding. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.